Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This is episode number 198. Uh, in this episode, we are reconnecting with uh, ultra runner extraordinaire Pete Kusselneck. Um, if you don't know who Pete is, Pete is an absolutely fantastic ultra runner. Uh, he's the transcontinental record holder um, where he's ran across the United States the absolute fastest. Um, and in 2018, he thought, you know what? Like running across the United States, that's just not enough for me. I'm going to run diagonal across uh, a major part of North America. So basically he flew up to Kenai, Alaska, packed up a baby stroller full of all of his supplies and then ran all the way to Key West, Florida. So that's 5,300 miles and he did it in 97 days and he averaged 55 miles a day, which is so crazy. But Pete is just an absolute machine. Do you remember the Terminator when like they're running away and the Terminator were just like, keep walking after them that's like pete except he's way faster than arnold schwarzenegger okay um he just keeps going he just he's the energizer bunny he just goes and goes and goes uh i chatted with him a couple years ago right before he was going to start this challenge he called it the key to key um so i think i talked to him maybe three weeks before he was going to start uh, so I'm very excited to have him back on and just hear how it went, you know, like what a, what an amazing adventure. Um, along with that, we also talk about him taking on, uh, the six day across the years race, um, in which he ran laps for six days and he won the race with a mind blowing distance of 444 miles. Um, but the thing that I love the most about this story, and I don't want to spoiler alert any of it because I think we start with this story, but the thing I love the most is it was a race the whole time. Like he was competing. There was another guy that was, was really pushing him to his limits, uh, which is just incredible to think about, um, you know, when something is that long over six days to, not be sure if you have it in the bag, not be sure, not to be sure if you're going to win, you know, days into a race, it's that competitive. So anyways, uh, let's get right into the show. Pete, thank you for coming on. You're always a blast to talk to, man. Um, So this is the Like a Bigfoot podcast, number 198 with Pete Kusselnick. This week, we are back with one of my favorite guests that I've had in the past. And dude, like, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Like, you are absolutely incredible. So I'm here with Pete uh, Kusselnick. And first of all, I just got reminded today because I went on your ultra sign up. And I was like, yeah, I remember he did this like crazy timed event. And, And then I saw across the years... And it said 444.26 miles in six days. 
And all I wrote down, I didn't even write a question. I just wrote down, dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks for having me on again, man. I'm, I'm super, super stoked. Uh, you know, we, you know, we talked, you know, two years ago and like, I was, I was telling you offline, like, man, I, I was listening to like our, our, and maybe it was like the first time I actually listened to the whole episode, you know, of when we talked, you know, about a year and a half ago. And, yeah. and so, yeah, it's, it's great to be back with you and talk about what's happened since and what's, what's new with you too. Yeah, man, for sure. But man, what does 444 miles feel like? What does that last mile feel like, man? That's insane. And I remember now I was like, oh yeah, I remember like following some of your posts, like while you're doing this. Yeah, you know, I mean, if you would have told me I got 4:44 prior to the race, I would have been very upset. Like, dude, that's not like like I had way higher expectations, to be honest, going in. But like at the end of the day, like you can never, like you can never, like you know, you're like those six day races, you're going into battle, and like I, there was a guy, it was like. Um, a guy the exact same age as me from Canada, Matt Shepard, that just like pushed me that entire race. And so like the iron, like the interesting part of that race was like, not how far I went, but like I had a lot of struggles in the race and so did Matt. And like the whole last 70 hours of that race, I was just like looking over my shoulder, praying that Matt wouldn't catch me. And like, you wouldn't believe the like ridiculous, like depressing places I went in my head, like as Matt was like catching me. Cause like, it was just uncanny how the, like, you know, race that far, Matt was always like in this like 10% window ready to catch me if I screwed up. And so that was like, that was really like pretty much the gist of the whole race coming down. Like the, the back half of like 72 hours was like, just trying to hold off this guy that's like trying to catch you and you know, he's going to catch you if you like screw up. And so, um, it definitely wasn't really the race I had imagined going in, but like, I was so think like I have never been more thankful to like get to a point in a race where I knew that I had it locked up <laughs> like, a, like two hours before the end than <laughs> I did on that race. You're like, <laughs> this is a six day race. And I didn't know if I had it locked up until two hours before it ended. Yeah, absolutely. That's insane, um, it was just, man. like, they're just, I mean, I can go into it, but like, there were just so many struggles with like trying to sleep, you know, I didn't want to complain about it too much, but like coming into the race, I had like, I took four shots of NyQuil the night before the race, just trying like, cause I was so, I had, I had a really bad cold, um, and a lot of congestion coming in. And so like, I was just trying to do basically everything that I could to, push that out or push it off. And like, so the first couple of days I was like really congested coughing all the time and I couldn't, couldn't sleep at all. And like, every time I tried to sleep, I was coughing. And so like, <laughs> I'd get like in that mode where I'd almost be ready to sleep and like, I'd start coughing, have a coughing attack. And so like, it was just a really frustrating race, um, in general for me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. Cause it was actually my second, um, second six day race. So I kind of also had the advantage of like knowing coming in, like how morbid those races can be at the same time. 
<laughs> what what kind of people are signed up for the six day race? Like, also, can you describe what the course is like? Because it's not like you're running a giant like forty mile loop for six days. Yeah, you know, I mean, six day race is you don't get that many. Like, you know, I'm thirty two years old and I'm I'm not like young by any means, but um, I would say I was. Pr- like Matt and I were like two of the, if not, I think we were kind of, I think we were probably the youngest two people in the race. Um, so in six day races, you get a lot of people that are, um, kind of graduated to that distance. But I mean, sometimes you get younger people mixed in every now and then. Um, so it's definitely like, <laughs> it's definitely an interesting crowd because I would say it's, the, the median age for most six day races is probably well into the upper forties, fifties, and maybe even 60 years old in some races. So like, it's not um, necessarily a young crowd. Um, and then, you know, and you know, I don't know what leads to people signing up for these types of races. <laughs> um, but for, for me, it's just like one of those things, like, I don't know, like I love, there's just so much strategy involved in a six day race. And so that was like what kind of like led me to be interested about doing a six day was like, I mean, running a 24 hour race is like, I don't know, playing checkers in some way. Like, I mean, it's, it's somewhat like for me, it's a lot harder to do a 24 hour race. Well, than a hundred mile race, like, you know, I would assume like if I, if I showed up to a hundred mile race, you know, probably six times out of 10, I'm going to run a pretty good race, like for, for what fitness level I'm at. But then for a 24 hour race, it's like, it's almost like a one in three proposition that you're going to run a good race because it's just so far. Yeah. And then for a six day race, I think that's like even less, like <laughs> I, I bet like hardly anyone has ever said they ran a great six day race because like, it's just, there's so much time for something to go wrong yeah well so when you're talking about you know having your expectations coming in and then like how how long into the race did you realize like this is not going the way i planned or the way i wanted it to 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 be and then how did you deal with your frustration for the rest of the race yeah i mean it was really the first night um it was kind of cool because we were running in, um, Phoenix, Arizona. And I remember it's a really cool memory actually, because like the Fiesta bowl, uh, with, with Ohio state playing, uh, who are they playing? I think Clemson or yeah. Um, was, was actually taking, I could see the lights in the stadium from where I was running. That's awesome. Um, (laughs) they were only like two and a half miles away. And so like, (laughs) I remember like I was so excited about that first day because it was like the, the, like my alma mater, Iowa state was playing like a bowl game earlier in the day. And then like, so I was like listening to all these bowl games going on and like December 29th. And then I remember it was like going to be capped off with like the big Ohio state game going on just down the road. And I could see like the blimp, the Goodyear blimp over the stadium and everything. And so like, I just remember like, like during that rate, during that, um, game, I was like probably 14 hours into the day. And like, 
I was feeling okay, but like I just felt like this, like really, like I was just getting really sleepy, feverish, et cetera. And like it was probably because I took all that NyQuil <laughs> 24 hours before it was like coming back to like bite me in the butt. And and so like I I remember like I I rented an RV with a buddy um, that was also doing the race, and so I just went like into the RV and was like all right, Pete, like you've done a six day race before, just go lay down, you know, try to get a few hours of sleep, even though you didn't plan on sleeping until like eight more hours from now. Um, but like, I was like, yeah, I was just, I just remember like turning off the game. It was like right where the game was like almost over. Um, cause I was listening to it on my headphones and I was just like, just so mildly upset. But at the same time, I was just like, I got to like rest try to sleep and then like I just remember not sleeping at all and just like I was just dizzy and then that was like the whole cadence of like the first three days basically wow. it was just like all these times where I was trying to like sleep and I like, could not sleep even though I was so sleepy and like oh. exhausted was and it so, was it one of the moments where you're you're getting then you get frustrated because you're not falling asleep and that just keeps you up even more exactly yeah those Um, are the worst between like yeah between coughing and then like just this like paranoia like where i'm just like man just like just go to sleep like get some sleep and then like you're just laying there and like just like you're just overthinking everything and so that it was just it was just so weird though because like i would go back out and like walk or like lightly jog and then like i just like couldn't I just like couldn't like figure out a way to like <laughs> get it get it the way I wanted to, but That's... eventually I did sleep a little bit. But yeah. it was I, I would estimate I probably only slept like four hours of the 144 hours of the race. Oh my god, man! Well, it's, I gotta imagine that plays into strategies so much. Like if you're able to just lay down and instantly turn your brain off and instantly fall asleep. Like, I just feel like that probably plays into a six day crazy race strategy kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, if I do another six day, that's going to be my like top like thing to work on. Um, and you know, my, my advantage over Matt though, who was the guy that got second that was pushing me was, he was actually doing one mile every single hour, like every calendar hour of the race. He was doing the, like every hour, at least one mile, every hour of the race. So like he was, so like he had the opposite challenge of me. It was like, he, he was not like able to sleep for more than like an hour and a half because he had a complete one mile, you know, within every calendar hour. Yeah. Um, but like he was able to like just like lay down and fall asleep a lot easier than me. So it was like it was just so funny like to see the dynamic between him like just always <laughs> cranking out miles and then me like sitting on the sideline frustrated for like four hours, like <laughs> not getting any sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well so what's the okay, so his strategy obviously was completely like a one eighty from your strategy. So what was yours going in? Like what was what was your plan of attack? Yeah, I mean, my my plan was like ten hours sleep, two hours, ten hours sleep, two hours, um, like completely get off the side, get get on the sideline, and just recover as much as possible for you know two hours, like every 
10, like every other, like, like halfway increments of the day, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And then his obviously, yeah, that's crazy, man. So are you noticing when you do this that people have all sorts of different things they're trying? And is there one particular way that like works the best or, or is it just more kind of like based off the individual? Yeah, I think for like a six day for something that crazy, it's like, I I think there is a best way, but I don't, I honestly think it's such a, there's been so few attempts that it's like, nobody knows what the best way to go about it is. Because like, if you look at like, um, Giannis Kuros, who's like the best ultra runner of all time, like no question, I think in my opinion, and probably most people's opinion, like he has the six day, um, world record. Um, but like, I think most people agree that his six day world record is probably the most penetrable, like most penetratable record of any of them. And like, he always was like kind of notorious for going out kind of hard, which I think helped him in like the 24 hour, um, you know, his 24 hour record is like the most stout record of any ultra marathon records of like 188 miles which nobody's come oh anywhere <laughs> um but like his six-day record like i think there is like a method to the madness it's just we had there's there hasn't been like the perfect ultra runner that was young enough to like have the wisdom to know yeah. like when to sleep when to run and so like i'd love to be that that person that figures that out you know over the next maybe 10 years but it's just it's just so it's such a daunting task because it's such a a long race and like you only get so many shots at it at the same time yeah yeah so i mean i i want to get into a little bit of the mental the mental struggles because when you have stress in a race you know for a lot of regular folks who aren't doing six day races you're having that stress for a short like you know a short amount of time but like, were you stressed out the entire 70 hours when you were, you thought you were going to get caught or, or did it just like come and go? And, and if so, like, how did you kind of make that stress or those, uh, negative thoughts go away? Yeah, I, I, it definitely came and went. So like, it wasn't like just continuous. Um, and, and, you know, I think for me, it was like, um, for, there were some some points where it like became some surreal where it was like oh my gosh like because it's real like because you're so you're so sleepy and like you're just like is this real like am I really trying to like hold off this other guy for another 60 hours yeah. and like um I think the only thing like I had a friend that showed up um the last like oh maybe like last 40 hours of the race maybe last 30 hours and so that really helped like to see his face because like, like my parents actually like stopped by for a little bit because they actually were already planning to be in Arizona um, at the time. And so like, just like seeing some familiar faces for a while, because I mean, I went to the race just, you know, basically setting up a table and um, self crewing. Um, and so like to have someone there, like telling you, like reassuring you, like, okay, I think, you know, even though you have 26 more hours and like, you still have a lot of miles to do, like, you know, I feel pretty confident that you'll still win. And like, 
you know, having someone tell you like, okay, I feel confident in you. It's like a huge boost because you're just yeah. like sitting there, like telling yourself like every, ex- every excuse of why you're not gonna, you know, hold on to win the race. And then like having someone independent of you, like tell you that really helps. So like, that was like the big, the big thing for me was having my, my friend Adam there to kind of just like <laughs> calm me down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, how do you, uh, how do you kind of like get rid of the thoughts of like, maybe I should just let him pass me. Like, let's just let him pass me, get it over with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've had that in, uh, in at least, uh, one or two races that I've done where I'm like, I go into it with the mindset of I'm going to compete. Like I got this. And then a couple hours into the race, I'm like, you know what? Never mind. Or at the end of the race, when I'm tired and beat up, I'm just like, whatever. Like, let's just let's just finish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I've I've been there a lot. Um, I mean, the the good thing about something like this is like you're just because that you because you've invested so much in it over so many days. You're just like, you know, like you know that like you wouldn't live with yourself if you gave up like you just like if it was a hundred mile race and like you're you know 50 you have another 50 miles to go you're just like well i'm what of my day but so the the and i think that's why like some of these like last man standing races and barkley races and stuff like it's so fascinating to watch because these people are so like they've lost so much of like their normalcy and like they've just like they're just they, they're they so they they know they've put so much into it they can barely even like comprehend anything anymore but like when you know you've put so much effort into something like you just like i i think like like kind of like with mike wardian when he um won this like virtual backyard race we had uh last weekend which he is was one like, of the things i definitely want to talk about <laughs> yeah so it's like just a quick like spoiler alert like he was like halfway to where like he ended up like i think he was like 150 miles in and his and he just like was ready to give up and his wife told him like no you're like i've been out here for over a day with you like you're you're gonna keep going and like he ended up running like 24 hours later <laughs> like a 730 paced lap of four miles which is unheard of like 260 miles into a race and so, like, that's kind of, like, the mentality, I think, is, like, he knew, like, once he got to, like, a certain threshold, like, where he wasn't just in the last 10, but he was, like, in the last two, you just, like, start to get this extra boost of, like, motivation. And so, like, that that's kind of the way it is for me. Like, I just have to, like, I've had a lot of races where I've probably should have kept going harder. But, like, when you know you're in the game, like, it's just, it's just, you become a robot and you just like keep going and just say, <laughs> screw it. Let's just keep it, keep it the way it's going. And we're not stopping anytime soon. Yeah. Well, and the crazy thing about the backyard ultra last, you know, last runner standing kind of events is when it gets down to two people, both people have had, they have that same investment. And so it's like, no, now you like, I totally 100% agree with you. Like you're just adding more to your investment where you're like, Oh my God. Like, and I love that Laz is basically just like, 
Yeah, there's no second place. Like if you quit, you DNF. It doesn't matter if you've gone 250 miles or whatever. And <laughs> which is crazy, but it's like yeah. both people have that and it is kind of like what's going to what's going to get them to stop? Like it's just mind-blowing, man. Um but yeah, so we'll get back to that one in yep. a second. Um I do want to <laughs> ask you when you finish across the years for six hours or or six days, excuse me. And you are done and now you don't have to run anymore. Is that kind of like a psychedelic, like weird feeling in that moment where you like, is the next day really foggy and the next maybe week? Cause you're like, I should be, I feel like I should be running, but I'm not anymore. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's weird because, um, I remember because when when I when I finished um, across the years, like I had to. I think I actually, you know, I okay. So here's the story. Actually, um, I actually had two flights booked back. Um, <laughs> I was willing because uh, okay. So here's the, I had booked a round trip flight to Phoenix for the race, but like when I initially booked the flight, it was so that I was like flying back like like five hours after the night. I mean, it's like three hours after the race got over, like something ridiculous where like I basically would finish the six day race and then like go straight to the airport. I wouldn't even go to the award ceremony, but then like, as we got close to the race, I was like, well, that's just like a, a motivator to DNF or like finish early. Yeah. And so I actually looked at flights and I was like, well, it'd be cheaper. Like it, rather than rescheduling my flight to be the next day, um, it was actually cheaper to just book a separate flight for a hundred bucks one way, um, the next day. And so that was like, one of my motivators was like, Pete, keep going. Like, don't, don't stop because like you got the flight the next day and that really did help. Um, but yeah, like still when, when we, the six day was over, I had to return the RV with my friend and so, like, we had a car and then an RV, and so we had to drive a car all the way across to Mesa, which is, like, 40 minutes away. And, like, literally, like, two hours after I finished the race, <laughs> so, like, I was just, I went straight to the closest gas station about two energy drinks, and I just remember, like, I, like, I should, I mean, it was, it was bad. I mean, obviously, I was sober, but I was, you know, pretty hazy at the time, so, like, yeah, it was just, I mean, that's the thing about those races is like, it's probably a good thing that you're kind of in a haze because you just want to go sleep and, yeah, you know, nothing, nothing good's going to happen if you just want to go out celebrating. So like, <laughs> but at the same time, it would be, a, it would be nice if I could like finish a race that I was like proud of and like be fully with it because it's just, you're just like, there's so many weird emotions going on that like, you can't really sleep because you're blood pressures through the roof but you also like you're just not there at all because you're you've been awake for so many hours what's the what's the finish line like are, are they just like hey okay guys six hours is up all right good job or six days sorry oh, well. i keep saying hours i don't know why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was sleeping like i like once i knew that i like i i got some crap for it but like once i knew that i had the race um, once I had first place secured and then, um, also like four is my favorite number. So that's why I was like adamant about finishing at four, 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 um, total miles. 
like I, I just like I went straight like once I crossed the finish mat um, to log you know it's a 1.05 mile loop uh, once I passed the finish mat to get to 444 I went straight into like I took a complete straight line towards the heating tent where they had some cots and like I just slept the rest <laughs> like the last two hours <laughs> you got crap for that well, just a couple of close friends that were like, hey, you need to do as much as you possibly can. You need to get another five or six miles in. And like, I was like, no, sorry. I'm, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm man. Slept in forever. That's insane. <laughs> when you are in the airplane the next day, like, I don't know, man. It has to just be weird to look around at everyone and just be like, no one knows that I ran 444 miles over the last week like no one understands yeah. this you know i don't know it's just a weird like hey i don't know you you're almost like should i just stand up and be like hey guys uh just ran 444 miles just thought i'd throw that out there all <laughs> right have a good flight <laughs> well all right so I'll, I, I'll i'll break it down to two two parts so if i if i get 606 which is joe uh Fiegis's american record which is way further than 444 and way like my goal for across the years was to break his event record of like 550 something. Um, but I will say if I, if I did hit, you know, his American record, I probably would stand up on the plane. Cause I'd probably be still, I still probably have a beer in my hand, like celebrating, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, just not caring. But, um, actually when I did get on the plane after this race, um, I had to like, I was so, I had the award that was like a big rock. It was like a brick with like a, like a metal, I don't know, like a metal figurine of like a guy running. And it like said across the years, first place, six days. And like the only way I was going to get it home was if I just like brought it on the plane with me. And like the guy at the ticket counter was just like laughing when he read it. And he's like, I'm like, is this okay? Like, this isn't like a blunt force object, is it? Like, I take it on the plane. And he's like, yeah, just dude, bro, you, you, you got it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like nervous about taking this gigantic brick through security. And, but like, it was kind of cool because like when I was on the plane, I just put it on my lap and like I was in the middle seat and the two people next to me were like, oh, cool. So you, you ran a race and, you are kind of crazy. (laughs) And so it was like a really, it was a good, uh, good conversation starter. That's awesome, man. Well, real quick, I want to touch on the quarantine backyard ultra. Uh, like you said, it was a, it was really fascinating to follow last week. And it was also about as boring to watch as I imagined on YouTube because it was, it was really exciting for 10 minutes when everyone was back at their computers And then they would leave and run the four mile loop and there'd be like two or three people <laughs> on the treadmills and you were like, okay, I can see them on their treadmills. And then everyone else just left. And the rest of the time would just be a blank, like view of their apartment or their house. And I was like, wouldn't this be weird if someone broke into their house during this race and we all saw it and we are like yelling at the screen, like there's a burglar. And then somehow yeah. we use this to like solve the crime, but that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, man, can you kind of go into that? It was the last last person standing format of four point one seven miles, I think, every hour. Yeah. Um. So how'd you do? 
you know, when did you call it a day? Uh, and, and was it weird doing it without other runners physically around you? Yeah, you know, I've never done a backyard ultra. So, like, backyard is basically this concept that Lazarus Lake, who's like this, he's like the kingpin of like interesting ultra running ideas. So, he's the race director of the Barkley Ultra Marathon, which is like, it, I don't think it's on Netflix anymore, but it was like this Netflix so. sensation. It's one um, of the best documentaries and, I've ever seen. The yeah, Barclay yeah, it's like, it's so like good. probably, probably. 60% of people in the U S that like know of ultra running, like know this documentary. So like he is, he's kind of like this, I don't know. I'm trying to like, think of like somebody in another sport. Um, he, like, like John Daly with golf. Like yeah. he, he's like the John Daly of like ultra, running. like, like this dude smokes. Like, I mean, he was a good runner back in the day. Like, obviously, um, with his knowledge of ultra running, but like this dude's like so unconventional, but like he has like the Barkley ultra marathon. He has the, he has the vol state, uh, 500 K, which is like a hundred, well, 311 mile race across Tennessee every summer. It's like in <laughs> August or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's also got this big backyard ultra, which is basically the concept of, running exactly a hundred miles every 24 hours, um, where you can't like, you can't bank hours, you have, or bank distance. You have to ex run exactly 4.17 miles every hour, starting at the top of every single hour. And if you like, you know, fail to start at the top of the hour or finish your lap within an hour, you're eliminated. And so, um, it's become a really big thing globally, like to have like, qualifiers that feed into his race and so like this race wasn't necessarily a qualifier just like this random idea that my friend dave proctor had um in canada and so like he reached out to a lot of people and then like this thing just like spread 10 times faster than coronavirus across the, <laughs> the world and like before we knew it over 2,000 people were signed up and so um, he had like this elite crowd, you know, quote unquote, that I was, you know, very privileged to be a part of, you know, that was like the main zoom call. So like anyone logging in could see like, okay, here's the 20 people that were in the elite crowd that were, um, starting the race. Although there were like dozens and dozens of other elite runners out there, yeah. um, on other, on, on other like mass zoom calls as well. So it was like this crazy thing, but, um, but like, it was just so, it was just so cool to, to like have this zoom call going where like, it was like facing my front door and like every hour I'd come in and like, I'd put on, I, I'd like get back up to the camera basically and be like, Hey guys, how's it going? And like check in with everybody else. Um, I, I going into the race, I basically said if I could do a hundred miles, I'd be, um, pleased with that and so that's what i got to <laughs> before i was like all right i'm done um <laughs> yeah but i mean like even then i think there were still like 70 people left um so like there were still gosh there's probably like 30 people left still when there was like 120 miles and then um i mean i went to bed but there were 
I mean, obviously Wardian, Mike Wardian and uh, um, Roddick Bruner from the Czech Republic, like kept going forever till they, they were like over 250 miles. And then unfortunately Roddick, um, yeah, it was controversial. He, which was yeah, crazy. he was, yeah, he was unfor- He was standing at his treadmill, ready to go, um, at like midnight east East Coast time. So it would have been like six a.m. his time in the Czech Republic. But he was so he did all of his miles on treadmill while Mike was doing everything outside. And then, um, and Mike lives in uh, Virginia. So Radic was, you know, on the treadmill for his entire, um, his entire race. And so like we were watching it and he wasn't like, it was the top of the hour. And, you know, the the race said like, you know, you have some leeway, you know, to start your hour, like, you know, we'll give you 20, 30 seconds just because of like timing delays and everything with zoom. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like he just like was there clearly, you know, standing and stationary for, you know, a minute and a half to two minutes. And so they just had to, you know, they had no other choice than to disqualify him. Have they talked with him afterwards? Like, did they get the like clear story of what, what happened? Yeah. I mean, I think he, you know, he said that there was some sort of delay or you you couldn't hear or something, but it's hard to tell. Um, but you know, the sad thing is like, he still ran his whole, you know, six or four point, you know, one, seven miles, like no problem. So you knew like, it wasn't like he was just tired and like used that as an excuse. You know, you knew that he could still do it. And so <laughs> that was kind of the unfortunate part actually was like yeah. that he was still, you know, more than capable of running the miles. It just, yeah. he didn't, well, he just become, became unaware. Yeah. Do you, do you think for you personally, if, if this was, an event where you were with the other runners, do you think you would have felt like you should have kept going? Like, does that make sense? Cause I just think like yeah. being by yourself in your neighborhood doing this and not really seeing people while you're running, uh, had to have been like a weird mental thing for, for the athletes like competing at it. Yeah, for me, for me, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, I, I still ran, like, 100 miles that week. So, like, you know, not using any excuses. I was fully healthy, fully cognizant, you know. But, like, I like I remember coming in. Because my plan was to do 108 miles, and I did 104. And I remember, like, at 104 miles, I was, like, I remember telling Mike Wardian, it, ironically telling Mike on the Zoom call, like, dude, I'm just too sleepy. I can't. I, can't. I was like slurring my words and like, <laughs> and then it's the irony is that he, he went out and did over 150 more miles. But <laughs> he's like on mile 240. He's like, remember when Pete told me it was too yeah. sleepy? <laughs> yeah. So like, I, I definitely would have been able to at least you know do that last lap if if I was standing there next to Mike in person and like yeah. you know fully engaged so and i think that like a lot of people had that issue like um you know i like uh um jameel jameel curry for example like he looked fresh he looked great on the zoom call but like you know i don't know why he stopped at 100k but like i'm sure like you know like a lot of people like that like it was just it's just a very hard way to keep going like you know knowing that 
you're just isolated completely from the rest of the people in the field. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, I do. I, I want to hear a little bit about key to key. Um, that was our big topic last time you were on the show. You had this event yeah. where you're running from, uh, Kenai's Alaska to Key West, Florida, which is 5,300 miles. And you were pushing a baby stroller full of gear. And yep. my very first thing I have to ask you is how often were you getting weird looks about the stroller? Like, did people think a baby was in there? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I did. Like, that was one of the things that um, <laughs> I didn't really think. That, you know, okay, well, I will give like like law enforcement credit. Um, there were only four times where like law enforcement actually talked to me. Um, the entire like, okay, so say I'm like running five, six miles per hour, like, I don't know, like, what, like a thousand hours of time on the road and like only four police officers actually stopped to talk to me. Like, that was pretty awesome. Were they like um, side-eyeing it to make sure there was no baby in there? Yeah, not, well, not really. Um, so like the first police officer was in the Yukon territory um, where like I had this stretch from uh, junction, I think, I think it was, oh, Haynes Junction, Yukon Territory to Whitehorse, which was like a 90 mile stretch of like, we're not even talking like one or two gas stations. We're talking just complete wilderness. And so, like, this lady like came out and was like, Do you realize that you're like going into like the most remote section of like highway anywhere between here and Din Dane? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, she, so it's just like that was I really appreciated that actually because like the day before that I'd actually seen my my first couple of grizzly bears um and I actually got a, like a pretty cool video of it but um so like I was appreciative like cuz it was a very like lonely scary stretch for me um from Haynes Junction to to Whitehorse but um so that was one but then there were two like officers in Illinois that stopped and I think it was like because like some old lady was like complaining about me running on the road. Like, and she probably like assumed that I had a baby in the stroller and Illinois doesn't have very good shoulders. So like, she's probably like, oh, he's running on this road. He's got this baby in the stroller. And so like, there were a couple of times in Illinois where that happened. But like, um, the, the, maybe the funniest story though, is like in Alabama, I was running on this country road and there was, I, re I distinctly remember seeing this kid like standing in his front yard and he, and they had, I think like three or four dogs that came running after me and like, they didn't come like, they didn't like, I never got bit. And so like they, like the whole run, I never got bit by a dog, but these three dogs are coming after me. And like, so I like, I motioned them to like, get away, get away. Like, don't, don't bite me. And like, of course they're like, you know, backed off <laughs> like 10 minutes later. Um, and this is like a complete remote area with like, it's, I mean, I was surprised it wasn't even like a gravel road because it was a very remote, um, country road. There was a police officer that came up and stopped me and he's like, sir, I'm going to need you to stop. Like basically pulled me over and like wanted to see my ID and wanted to see like, he like ran my ID and like, I was like, what, like, what did I do? I'm just running down the road with the stroller. And so he told me that like the kids dad was like an off like his boss 
And like somehow the kid like made up some story about how like I was like hitting his dogs or something. And like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like, is this like a, a joke? And like, he's just like, well, sir, there's two sides to every story. And so I was just like, all right, well, and then and that's where I started putting on my guard. I was just like, he started asking me what I was doing. And I just basically told him like, no, I'm just running. I'm just, I, I was like, eh, I'm just going for a run, like nowhere in particular. And, just kind of giving him like smart ass answers, I guess. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like I got like, I had a couple of different stories that I would tell people like at gas stations. Um, Cause that's usually where I would, um, where I would like get questions about like what I was doing. And it would mean, it was a lot of fun to kind of like tell like gas station attendants and, and like small business owners, like, yeah, I'm running from Alaska to Florida. And then like, give them like a little card that I have made like to track the track my run and everything. Um, but then like sometimes like you'd get people that would like think that I was like homeless or something. (laughs) It was kind of fun to just like run with it and be like, you know, not like, you know, like sometimes they'd be like, Hey, do you need some money? Like, do you need somewhere to stay? I'm like, no, I don't. But like at the same time, like if they were, you know, just kind of curious, like, what what my end goal was and i was just like i like i just go into forest gump mode and be like oh, i just feel like running you know just <laughs> move on down the road and see what life hands me <laughs> that's awesome man if someone said that i would be like this is the most interesting human being i've ever met like oh absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well so the reason i asked about the stroller thing though is because sometimes i'll i'll when my kids you know had daycare i would ride my bike with the with the bike whatever stroller thing you're pulling behind you and i would ride it from my house to go pick them up but like the first half of the ride when there's no kids in it i always felt super weird about it when i'd pass people and they would look and they wouldn't see anything in there and i'm like what are they thinking and then i actually like legitimately (laughs) had the thought where i'm like i wonder how pete handled this maybe i should ask him (laughs) yeah 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 it was <laughs> well there oh there, there was one guy in florida so I, for, I forgot to mention this when i was running with a friend of mine she lived in florida regina and um we were running down the road and then like this guy like literally like drove really close to us like going the same way as us like we were on the left side of the road and like he yelled something at me and i was like oh crap like yeah did, like i don't know what he was talking about and then he comes back like two minutes later pulls off he like gets out of his car really fast, starts cracking his knuckles, and I'm like, "Oh shit, Regina, hold, hold my beer!" Like, to, like, like Regina, hold off. Like, I'll talk to him. Like, it's my fault. And like, <laughs> he just comes up to me, and then he's like, literally one second away from throwing a punch, and like, he looks down in the stroller and he sees like all my like my bear canister, like my food, my water, and then he just starts cracking up, and I'm like, "Sorry, did I?" do something wrong and he's like no i thought you had a baby in there (laughs) he was was literally gonna beat me up and like he totally could have um that's but then i just like i just surrendered and like it was hilarious and but yeah that i didn't really have too many stories like that though thankfully like yeah we're most gonna yeah most interactions i have to imagine were pretty positive oh yeah yeah absolutely how was Um, it experiencing north america in this way Oh, it was so cool. Um, 
you know, like I was, I was listening back on like our podcast from when, before I ran this today and just like thinking through like some of my, like, like basically my mentality there was like, before I did this run, I mean, it was kind of scary because I was so, I was like, I had this mindset of like, it's going to be something. And like, that's all I really want out of life right now is like to have something that like, is like meaningful to me. And like, I was just like, you have to go into something like that with a completely reckless, like mindset. I found like, like it almost felt like I was going into like the boxing ring with Muhammad Ali. And I was just like, you just have to go into like complete confidence. And like, that's what I noticed like, like from now, like if I was doing this again, I would like be so much more cautious about um, certain things. And, you know, we, we talked about like in that podcast, like dip, like doing it like rag bright, like dipping my left foot in the Pacific ocean and dipping the right, you know, once I got to the Atlantic and like, that was so true because like when I went and I started this run, um, like I didn't even know like how I was going to get to the Pacific ocean. Like I had to get some sort of ride and like on the last day before I started the run, uh, this lady was like, yeah, I'll give you a ride, you know, two hours down to the beachfront in the, where you're going to start. And then like, I met, um, this fisherman there that like, they, they both basically are like, I was talking to them about how like I was closer to Beijing, China than I was to, um, Key West, Florida, where we stood. <laughs> it's just like, and and then like, I was completely submerged in the Pacific ocean. And then, you know, starting to run, listening to like, um, pirates of the Caribbean music on my Bluetooth speakers. <laughs> and then like, not thinking about the ocean, like literally at all until I got to, um, until I got to, uh, Key West, you know, 98 days, la- 97 days later. Yeah. And like, I was so, but like at that moment, like I was so adamant about dipping my other foot in the Atlantic ocean at Key West that I like almost slipped and fell like on these really <laughs> slippery rocks. Like I was like, so, <laughs> so like, focused on getting down to the water as soon as possible. Um, so that was like one thing that kind of like stuck out, stood out to me from our last talk. Um, but then, but then the other one was when I was, um, when we were talking about like at the very end of like running from Alaska to Florida, I remember like, I almost like slipped up and said, I, re- I said, well, let's hope I, and then I said, well, if I, and then I said, well, when I make it to Key West, we'll talk again. But it was like in this two second period where I said, let's hope, like hope went from, it went from hope to if, to when yeah. I make it to Key West. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got to check yourself, at the time, was, you know, check your mindset. Yeah. I was totally, I, I had no idea what I was getting into. And like, it actually worked out better than I thought it would. But like, it was just hilarious to hear myself say that, you know, a year and a half ago about this and like check myself on it so yeah that was that was another telling story <laughs> well and i i just wonder is the alaskan yukon part of the trip is that a sep- kind of a separate experience from the continental u.s part of the trip or did it all kind of blend oh totally different yeah absolutely um uh 
yeah, just just a whole different mindset because I had so much more um, stuff I had to do, but it was actually a lot more enjoyable. I mean, like yeah. I like I loved the fact that I only had to run 55 miles a day, <laughs> then you know 72 miles a day, like running from San Francisco, New York, and you know I think it was a lot more sustainable maybe because you know i had that i had that um experience yeah but it was just yeah it was totally different because like my like end of day like almost like you know once you once i finished the miles for the day it was almost like the day was only two-thirds over because i had to do laundry had to like check into a motel this or that and like there's just a lot of, of yourself like, yeah yeah lots of chores that had to get done and like pick up dinner on the way in um because like i never yeah i never took i never got in a car like that entire run other than um one mile in the on the alaska highway where there's a forest fire where they just like had to completely shut the i mean they, they shut the highway down for a day that i had to make up but like they're just like oh well the fires are too intense like you're going to get in a car for a mile but other than that like it was like any place i stayed at any you know nice human beings house that I say that I had to run there or I chose to run there. So like there was just a lot of catch up work that I had to do at the end of each day, um, on that run. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was really cool. It was, um, an experience that I'll never forget and definitely want to do another transcon one of these days, but, um, it was definitely like the most fulfilling thing that I feel like I could like the most fulfilling transcon, idea that I could ever do like I don't know how to possibly top that experience for me personally yeah yeah man I mean yeah I do I wrote a question down where I'm just like at this point what and I kind of wanted to get to this more in the at the end so I was just going to ask you like what what inspires you at this point like after you do the key to key you know like what what is giving you the drive and like what is something that creatively just inspires you with this with this sport oh yeah i mean there's just so much like that's the beauty of ultra running is like if you're at the top of your game and like i mean marathon running obviously there's there's always like any distance of running you know whether it be 10k 5k marathon steeplechase whatever you know some a distance that I would never be, <laughs> never be world-class at, you know, like, I feel like that's harder because you have to, you're really, you know, you're racing yourself, but then like an ultra marathons, like there's just so much, there's just so much like new frontier to tackle, like Alaska to Florida, like no one's ever done that. And like, you know, like my next goal is to, I'd love to do a transcon across Australia and there, you know, plenty of people have done that, but like, I know I can, I know I can do it faster than anyone else has. And like, I know that, you know, I'm capable of doing like a certain, you know, goal or threshold of like just total miles per day that like maybe no one's done in a certain time frame, And like, so that's what like keeps me motivated is like, there's just so many, there's more, it's almost yeah. overwhelming sometimes. Like <laughs> yeah. the number of like fastest, you know, across this, you know, section of trail here or the fastest person to go from Cleveland to Pittsburgh or something like that. <laughs> so it's like, there's just so many things. It's like, it, like, to be honest, it's like almost 
too much sometimes, yeah. but like at the same time, like that's definitely like just the ultra running mindset. It's like there's limitless possibilities out there. Yeah. Like for anybody really. Yeah. That's cool, man. Well, I mean, I, it's good to see that you're still inspired because, you know, I could, the key to key was such an epic event that, you know, you finish that and it's almost like, what now? Like, I mean, and I hate even asking people mm-hmm. on the podcast, like, what are you going to do next? Because I really just dislike <laughs> that question because I feel like it kind of disrespects. So I, yeah. I, I feel like it disrespects like what they just accomplished. Um, but yeah. I guess my whole question, like my whole thing was just like when you do something that epic, like what, what, like, yeah, it's just crazy what can inspire you but what you said makes total sense man there's so much to do i even find that just in colorado here where there's probably a list of like a hundred mini adventures i want to go on in colorado and i have time to do like two or three a year (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) and you're like oh man why is there so much awesome stuff out there you know so yeah that's cool man so that was that was my big fancy ending question but i do want to ask about our home state so when you when you were doing it and you came through iowa what was your route there and what was that like did that feel like a homecoming almost or or not oh yeah during um alaska florida yeah 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 i got to um i got to run i didn't quite get get the route to where like i wanted to run through uh, my hometown again in Boone, like in the center of the state. Oh, is it, Chris, where where are you from in Iowa? I'm from Muscatine, and I'm pretty sure I texted you or messaged okay. you on Instagram or something when you were getting through there. And I'm I'm trying to remember. I think you went through like Bettendorf or something, like pretty close. Yeah, I was a little bit to the north. Um, yeah, so like I did like the northeast quadrant of the state. Um, and it was cool because I got to stay at my sister's house in Cedar Falls. Um, but yeah, it was, it was fun. Cause like, I think every night, in, like Iowa was like actually the most taxing state for me of any, because like <laughs> social interaction. Um, yeah. Social interaction. Cause like I stayed with this couple in, um, gosh, what's the town near, like near, gosh, it's Northeast Iowa. Um, near Osage or maybe it was like technically Osage, but like I stay at their house and we had like a dinner party there. And like, it was like, like I wasn't getting any of my nightly chores done at all because then the next night I stayed at my sister Anne's house with my, all my family coming up to say hi. And like, we were drinking beers late into the night. And then the next day we stayed in Marion um, with like my brother-in-law's uh someone he's related i i can't remember <laughs> yeah and so like every night in iowa it was just like it was crazy because it was like just yeah it was total homecoming and it Dude, was like a lot of fun that's um, amazing man i just so. love iowa i love the iowa-ness <laughs> yeah. of that where it's like yeah i was staying with my like, brother's uh co-worker's daughter or whatever you know like <laughs> everyone knows each other and that is, I, I remember after we, we recorded the first podcast, dude, I had so many, I had probably like five separate people from like different walks of my life emailing me or texting me and they're like, oh my God, like I know Pete or I was, I was roommates with his sister in college or something. And I was just like, yep. really? Like, this is crazy, man. 
but yeah so that yeah it was rough. yeah it was nuts um yeah like like i was going through some small town and like right after i crossed the border um in northern minnesota and i got a lot of in-laws that live up there and like the whole freaking town of like and, and like just going through the country like running by someone's farm they this one lady had like a full um she had a full on uh eight station set up for me That's and i awesome, felt terrible man. because like one of my two rule like one of my two big rules is like don't run to everywhere you go and don't take aid from somebody where you couldn't otherwise get it and so like she was breaking that rule completely and so i told her like gosh i just feel so sorry like i can't take any for you and so yeah it was just like iowa was so cool because like there are just so many like it was just unreal um and and like it was even more unreal than the first time I ran across Iowa, like in 2016 from San Francisco, New York, even though I was going like through, like, obviously my hometown was like crazy, but like, I think there were just like so many people that were just like, like just like two or three separate, like two or three friends of friends of friends that knew what I was doing, that it was just like so overwhelming, like even in like the middle of nowhere in like Northeast Iowa. So yeah, it was it was really cool, and that was probably like the highlight of the whole, or you know, obviously one of the two or three biggest highlights of the whole run. Yeah, yeah. Is there any other like? I mean, I did have written down, uh, like heart most difficult day. Uh, you know, like what animals were actually like? If you were to prepare for this again, I know we talked a lot about bears beforehand, and obviously grizzly bears are incredibly dangerous and you know unpredictable and stuff like that but like you mentioned dogs earlier and i'm like yeah dogs from people's houses you probably encountered those more and that almost seems like that's a more realistic you know danger or whatever oh absolutely yeah like the whole like all of kentucky and tennessee it was like like i label those two states as like the front yard states because like everyone has massively large front yards in the states and like five dogs like five five six dogs just coming at you like every single house so yeah it was you know dogs definitely which you know i should have known better coming in but so like that's the reason why like i, I kept my bear spray yeah um handy <laughs> the entire way um but yeah like the, you know it's weird like i didn't really have um i would say the hardest day was probably um in like crossing over from the yukon into british columbia um because that was the day i had to make up um for the forest fire day which is ironic because i had a couple of friends from iowa who drove nonstop, you know like 36 straight hours up to see me um and they're like the only people I saw really on that whole like 20 yeah. day stretch of road. And they like did this really cool YouTube video, just throwing it out there, <laughs> like a five minute video oh, dude, I'll, with a I'll bunch totally of drone. Get on here. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like this drone footage, they had a bunch of really cool video of it, but like there was actually like, you would think that like I was trying to like act and like dramatize the whole run. Cause like, there's like a bunch of like video clips of them, like, showing me like rushing my hands through my hair and like trying to stay awake but like it was legit like they were <laughs> they got there like towards the end of my double day where i had to do like 
92 miles, um, a double day and like no sleep whatsoever for like 30 hours. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just remember like getting close to like, I had three miles left to get to the, like this little cabin motel place along the road where I was going to end the day. And, and they were also going to camp, um, beside me. And like, I just remember like, it was just unreal. Like I was like telling like, do you guys really think it's only three miles or do you think it's 30 miles? Like, I don't know anymore. Like, like there's this like big downhill coming into the end of the day. Like I was just like, so I've never been more thankful to like see it downhill. And it was just like, once I got to the, they, they actually part of their video, they, they filmed me coming into the gas station where, um, this couple that owns like the cabins and the campground, was like out there to greet me and like it's just like the coolest part of the video like just seeing this guy standing out there and knowing it like once i walked inside to like check in they gave me a beer and like we were just talking about like how that was like the most ridiculous at least in my opinion the most ridiculous last 36 hours of my life (laughs) (laughs) what uh what's the video called um it's called i don't know it's like if you if you just look at my name on youtube you'll find it because it's um it's like a five minute video and it's probably the first video that comes up is it from Heartland Um, technology yep that's okay okay sweet i'll make sure i link that that's hilarious man your friends probably were like we thought he was doing great and then we actually drove up and saw him in person and uh yeah he's doing (laughs) he's pretty rough (laughs) yeah yeah well it was yeah it's funny because um so I finished that day and I got done like kind of, I guess early because like I've been going straight, you know, no sleep, no break. And I had like 11 straight hours to just sleep. And then like, according to Strava, my next day was actually one of the fastest days of the whole run. Um, and like, I credit, I was like, I was telling them like, I credit you guys, dude, like you guys got like ready to go. And, so yeah, it was fun. Like they came up for like, they drove 36 straight hours just to film, a, you know, in the end a five minute video and then drive 36 straight hours back like a day and a half later. So like, I, I, I tell people like they had the harder, like I had it hard for 36 hours. They had it hard for like four straight days. That's crazy, man. <laughs> Well, man, I got to say, like, once again, this has been an incredible talk with you. And I'm sure you have, like, a billion more stories to share. Um, so I would love to to chat with you again at some point, Pete. Absolutely, man. I'd love to be back on after after some other adventure. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting right now because it's like all of our adventures are – it's people are getting creative and it's kind of cool. Like the close from ho- close to home adventures that people are going on. Um, and including the quarantine backyard ultra, uh, thing, you know, it's just, it's interesting to see what people are coming up with. Uh, but I, I am, I am like itching f- to travel and explore. And I can't even imagine how you're feeling having ran across America a couple times at this point. Um, and now kind of being, you know, uh, staying in one area like it's probably a weird feeling oh yeah yeah well especially be, like i was looking at your instagram from this morning and like at least you got trails to look at like i've just got the same 
the same suburban neighborhood to look at. So like, I'm definitely dying for something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, I'm, I, I am reminding myself like, yeah, dude, like, and there's a lot of open spaces here. So I've been able to avoid, uh, as many people as I can. I've been actually exploring from my house, uh, just leaving my front door and then heading out on some less, like there are like, there's single track all through the suburbs here. And I'm just like, oh, I guess I'm just going to jump on this trail for a while. And, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because, I, you know, I've done what everyone does and I'll run the same two or three loops, you know, for an entire year to train without really exploring. And now, like, just making, you know, it's giving me an opportunity to explore, which is which has been interesting. So. So, yeah, man. But where uh, where can people cool. kind of follow along for your adventures? Yeah, uh, just just uh, Pete's well, so like Pete Kostelnik on Instagram, and then pretty much the same thing on Facebook. Like I have like a Pete's, well, I guess it's like Pete's Beat Across America um, page. Okay, that's where I usually post everything and oh, I keep saw everyone you... updated on. Yeah, you uh, wrote. Yep. You got to write a story in a in a Across America on Footbook. On footbook, um, oh, well, there was a book that oh. you posted about called Across America on Foot, and you got to write a story. Oh, in that? oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, I was thinking you. I just, I was thinking you were saying like footbook was a website. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, across America, it's kind of like Facebook, a, yeah. but it's about feet. <laughs> so don't go to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a really yeah, it's a cool book. Um, across America on Foot. Uh, just came out recently and there's 27 chapters and I wrote one chapter for it and yeah, it's a really good read. That's awesome. Um, honestly, I haven't read the whole thing, so, uh, you know, maybe there's some bad chat and no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bonafide. Like, um, some of the most inspiring stories that you'll ever read because like we have this like across America on foot or, or USA crossers, Facebook, um, page where we 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 really put a lot of thought and effort into creating something that would like be a useful like inspirational i don't know target for anybody that wants to run across america or just wants to know what it's like you know from a number of different paces yeah so yeah it's it's a really cool book and i encourage anyone you know to read it because it's it's got some really cool stories Definitely, man. I'm I'm gonna order it as soon as we're done talking because I'm like I got plenty of time to read. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but awesome, man. Well, thanks for coming on, and like I said, we'll get back at you at some point. Cool. Thanks, Chris. Great to talk to you. And that's the end of the episode. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, you're always just a huge uh, source of inspiration, and your stories are amazing. Um, that's, and you know, that's when you set out to do these gigantic, uh, things, these gigantic challenges, uh, crazy stories are going to just naturally happen, uh, because you're putting yourself out there, you know, um, you're running us, pushing a stroller, a baby stroller full of supplies, uh, through down the Yukon, you know, if you're doing that something interesting is going to happen (laughs) you know uh you know if you're like hey i don't have any stories to tell at parties just do what pete did go up to alaska 
get a get a baby stroller full of supplies, push it through the Yukon. Guaranteed. Guaranteed you're going to have stories. If you don't have stories, that might be a miracle in and of itself. Um, but yeah, so anyways, Pete, thank you for coming on the show, man. Uh, you guys should definitely check out that video he was talking about. I think I linked it yesterday on our Facebook page. But just if you just go to YouTube and type in Pete's name, I think it's the first one that comes up. But it'll give you kind of a really good idea of, of what this uh, – this whole challenge uh entailed so um but yeah guys it's 4 22 a.m in the morning when i'm recording this because i did not record the intro and outro last night and i wanted to put this out um friday morning before i go for a run so i just want to put you in the moment because i'm very tired so if my brain sounds uh incoherent that is why um so yeah hope you guys all had a really good week uh i know for me yesterday i just i don't know why i mean i know i've mentioned there are moments of uh this you know kind of new norm being a roller coaster uh yesterday for some reason i just got very anxious around like 10 a.m in the morning no for no reason at all and you know i i think that's something that's not necessarily um out of the norm for this uh but it was like a big realization for me like whoa like that just happened randomly it just came up all of a sudden you know um and it was something i really had to deal with the rest of the day so uh and i also realized like this is probably happening to a lot of people right now um, a lot of people are probably dealing with a bit of kind of mental exhaustion, uh, you know, maybe some anxiety. Um, so if that's the case, like hopefully you guys have some sort of support crew um, that's going to help you get through it. Because I know for me, I texted my wife and she just gave me a call when she had a chance. She was at work um, and she gave me a call when she had a chance and just and just was like hey like you know just i'm th I'm here with you like what do you need she didn't really try to offer any advice or anything like that she was like you know i got you what do you need blah 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 so um i think we all have some sort of support crew um they might not be people in your house right now but who are the people you can call and just you know chat with laugh with bullshit with you know, um, to get that kind of, you know, those emotions and, and that, uh, that those emotional needs met. So, um, so yeah, I hope you guys are all doing well. Honestly, I truly, truly do. Um, this is a tough time. So, uh, just keep on keeping on, put one foot in front of the other. We're going to get through this. We'll, we'll get through it just like we get through any, endurance race or anything in life is is just making good decisions in the moment so um, think about what positive thing you can do each moment right now and by doing that enough times eventually over time um, you'll get you'll get through it and not only that but you'll be able to look back and be comfortable and 
you know, comfortable with your decisions that you made and, and how you acted and how you treated other people during it. So anyways, random thought at 426 in the morning from me, but I'm going to stop now so I can post this and then go for a run. So anyways, we'll get back at you guys next week. See ya.